Hey, all right. Well, it is wonderful to be with you today. My name is Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Go ahead and grab your notes out of your handout. We're excited about jumping into the season, marching toward Christmas, starting a new series today, and it'll take us all the way to Christmas Eve. It's called God With Us. And um, there's this word that is used in the scripture, a title that is uh, offered to Jesus Christ and him alone, and it is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. But what we want to do as we head into this Christmas season is we want to unpack what does that mean? What does God with us mean? And so today, if you look on your notes, you'll see the title of the message, God with us means peace. That's one of the things God with us means. And as you go through the Old Testament, what you find is that there are these prophets that were inspired by God. God gave them revelation. And so hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, they were, they were penning passages that would talk about what this would be like when Messiah arrived. And many of these you are familiar with. Many of them uh, you have sort of grown up knowing. And, and then some of you, if, even if you weren't in church growing up, you are familiar with these verses. Some some of them because you've seen them on Christmas cards. They're all kinds of wonderful, traditional, nice, you know, comforting Christmas cards you get. And, and some of the verses in the Bible, they're on the front of these cards. So I'll give you like one example. Uh, it's Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You might want to circle that phrase, prince of peace. And that makes a great Christmas card, right? It, it is beautiful, encouraging, comforting. You can imagine, you know, sipping your hot cocoa by a crackling fire, scent of pine in the air, that card on the mantle. Very, very nice, very traditional. But some of you are more cutting edge than that. And, and you're looking for like a whole new brand of Christmas card this season. So be the first among your group to choose Matthew 10, 34. Jesus says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. No, I came to bring a sword. I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Happy holidays, love the Howartons. Wait, I'm confused. Are we supposed to raise a glass of Christmas cheer or hunt down our mother-in-law, right? I, I don't understand what's, what's going on here. Or you might want to design your Christmas greeting around Isaiah 8, which says, he, meaning Jesus, will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap that entangles them. Many of them will stumble and fall, never to rise again. Many will be captured. Sounds like that famous Christmas carol. Many will stumble and fall. La, 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 la. No, not feeling that. Okay. But what's the deal? What, what is Jesus really about? Is he the prince of peace or is he the prince of peacelessness? How do you understand scripture? How do you understand the role of Christ? And, and obviously, throughout the message today, I'm going to be arguing one over the other, but it really was interesting to me how ugly sometimes peacelessness appears, and, 
and especially a couple of Christmases ago, I heard this story of a bunch of priests inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is in Jerusalem. And I'd just been there with my family, an Overlake group, and we had been doing some lecturing through Israel. And this is the church, right? It's this very holy site, maybe one of the most holy in Christendom. And there are several different groups of priests that serve in this church. You got, you know, sort of the Ethiopian Coptic church, and you got the Armenian church, and you got the Greek Orthodox church, and there are all these churches that are there, all these, you know, factions of Christians that are there, and somebody crossed some line, somebody took some liberty they weren't free to take, and suddenly there's a, a bar brawl inside this church at Christmas. And when you see that, Sort of the people of Jesus having this kind of reaction against other followers of Jesus, and you realize, no, something has gone terribly wrong. What an adventure in missing the point. And so we have to look at what is it that's going on here, and, and, and the answer is, well, it's something deeper, that, that God with us brings a peace at a deep level. It's not sort of the external peace that Jesus is referring to. External peace is what's going to happen when Jesus comes again. That's when uh, the governments of this world will, will come underneath and all the kingdoms of this world will be swallowed up in the kingdom of God. And the freedom that we have to sin will be swallowed up by the freedom that we'll enjoy from sin. And the curse will be removed and the fallenness and the brokenness of earth gone forever. And the glorification of God's people will be complete. And I long for this day, and you can read about it in Revelation 21 and 22. Amazing, but that's external peace. That's coming. But what has come is Jesus has arrived as Messiah. And the kind of peace that he brings is like an invasion. It actually makes things more difficult for his followers. It, it creates a crucial difference in, in people's lives because the peace that he's talking about is internal. It's peace that you can hold on to. It's deeper than our circumstances. It's deeper than the diagnosis. It's deeper than our bank statements. It's deeper than playoff scenarios. No matter what's happening in our world, you and I need this peace, the peace of Christ, the peace of the Prince of Peace, to make it through this life. And the Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians 4, 7. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You might want to first circle the word guards. It's important to look at. There's this peace of God available to us in Christ that, that performs a, a, a watch care role over our hearts and minds. The, the, the actual word is a military term, which means to stand sentry. So the peace that's available in Jesus actually stands as a sentry guarding our hearts and our minds regardless of what's happening in the world. And then look at the, the, the next phrase or the phrase immediately previous to that. It says the peace of God transcends all understanding. You might want to circle that phrase. It means God's peace makes no sense. 
It's beyond us. It, it, it doesn't compute. How can they be so peaceful? How can they exude such peace? Given everything that's falling apart around them, that's the peace of God standing sentry over their hearts. And I do know this, and you know this as well, the world's definition of peace is completely different. Right? The world's definition of peace, the peace the world gives, is the peace of all of our problems going away, of life working out exactly the way I want it. It's a Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of a life. Right? It's the peace that I could imagine when my wrecking ball of a son comes down ready for school in the morning and says, Dad, I'm all ready. I just cleaned up my room. I hope that's okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and I get so choked up even thinking about that. <clears throat> it's a piece of my daughter coming down, teenage daughter, and she's saying, Dad, you know, you're right. It, besides you and my two brothers, I really do believe boys are from the devil. And I, I just, <laughs> the, the, that kind of peace, right? That's a little more like my peace-filled daydreams. But, but you realize that that's, that's what the world kind of offers, and yet you and I know that doesn't work for the long haul. You might have a day like that. You might have a, a small golden season like that. But that, that doesn't last. It's, it doesn't perpetuate itself in this fallen world. And, and if we think that's what it's going to be, we find that peace is elusive. But look what Jesus is talking about here. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Take a look at that verse one more time while I <coughs> take a drink here. I, I hear Christmas carols. <laughs> do you hear that, Mark? Now, as much as I enjoy Christmas carols, can you guys hear that too? I, uh, maybe that's to spice me up a little bit. <laughs> He's failing, turn on the carols, quick. All right, where was I? Jesus says, the peace I leave you is not as the world gives. There, there's a contrast there. Right? The world gives circumstantial peace. Jesus gives a different kind of peace. It passes our understanding. So if you're filling the blanks, what kind of peace is Jesus giving us? <coughs> Excuse me. Peace is an active, not a passive gift. It's an active, not a passive gift. That means it's an active relationship with Jesus, it's an active recognition that God is good. It's an active understanding that Jesus is victorious over the circumstances of this world and an active participation with this good, victorious Jesus, knowing that with him I am able for anything. And that is God with us. That's the peace that he brings to us. It changes us and it makes us a different person. The Hebrew word, by the way, for this is the word shalom. You might want to write that down. Shalom. And you can just picture this being stated even as a greeting. Two nice Jewish men approaching one another on the street. Shalom to you. Shalom also to you. Shalom to your mother. High five shalom. You know, there, there's, this, there's this understanding that we are peace bringers in the world. And if you want to write a definition of shalom down, it actually means wholeness. It means fulfillment, inner fullness, completeness. And this is possible regardless of what's going on externally. 
And so the thing about Jesus' peace is it changes our viewpoint. When we think that peace is, re- is de- de- determinate on our circumstances, that is a very passive thing. If we think that, the danger is that we will never want to listen to the news, we'll never want to be aware of injustice, we'll never want to uh, allow ourselves to have a relationship, a friendship with somebody else who's messy. Why? Because it'll ruin our peace. Our peace is, is all about us creating a little cave of comfort where, where you know, the, the carols are playing and the fire's crackling and I'm sipping my nog and, and all's right with the world, but, but that's passive. Because peace is active, it means now we're free. We're free to, to develop a relationship with somebody who's difficult. <coughs> we're free to wade in and, and address an injustice. We're, we're free to be active then in our world as we seek to bring the peace of Christ. So peace is active, not passive. The second one, God with us, means peace is a person, not a principle. And, and we're talking about Jesus himself. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Oh my gosh, Mindy, thank you so much. This is a cough drop, and now it's open, but I, I assume that was for helping me. It's not, not used. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. So, if you look at John 16, 33, Jesus isn't saying that I'm saving you for a trouble-free world. He's saying I'm bringing salvation into a trouble-filled world. The world is fallen. It's broken. It's going to hurt you right and left, chew you up, spit you out. There's an enemy who's described as a, a roaring lion seeking to devour. But Jesus says in the midst of all that, my peace is different. Hold on to it. It'll give you courage. And what he says here is that in me you will have peace. It's in me. The Bible says that peace is a living, breathing person. It's Jesus. And so when you need more peace in your world, what you really need is Jesus. So we miss this so often, friends, and and we find ourselves saying things like, God, I don't get this. I have been praying like crazy, and I still lost my job. Or I've been reading the Bible every day, and my girlfriend still broke up with me. I've been tithing, and I'm still going bald. I've been fasting, and the 49ers still won. (laughs) Thank God that's hypothetical. Now, these things aren't bad. They're actually great things, right? Reading the Bible, praying every day, tithing and, and fasting. These things are great practices, but they are not the end. They are a means to the end, and the end is intimacy with Jesus himself. So we have intimacy with Jesus. That's how we access peace because Jesus is our peace. Look at these verses, Micah 5.5, 5, and he will be their peace. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. Jesus didn't come and bring peace. Jesus is the peace of God, tangibly offered to us. And so what we're looking for when our life falls apart is Jesus. He's the one who says, I am your peace. I am with you alone in the dark. I am with you when you're crying tears that you don't want anyone else to see. I'm there, and I'm your peace in the midst of a life filled with tribulation. Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. Would you circle that phrase? The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So those who have accepted him as Prince of Peace, we recognize our iniquity has been laid on him, and Jesus has purchased our peace. Right? And what this means, if we're followers of Jesus Christ and we've trusted him and accepted him, that there are three dimensions of peace. Real quickly, I want to go through these. The first is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. We have this new relationship. We have peace with God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I was thinking, I wonder if you could imagine being in a relationship with someone who's in authority over you, maybe, maybe your boss or maybe a parent, but having there be no peace in that relationship, finding yourself at odds with the person in authority over you. And, and uh, I, I was thinking, growing up, was I ever in trouble with my dad? And all of a sudden, all kinds of uh, situations came to my mind, like the situation of when I crashed into a parked car. Uh, learning to drive, or the situation of uh, I used to vault my younger brother down the steep hill we lived on in a wagon without steering or braking mechanisms offered to him. I found it delightful. Uh, <laughs> there was one time I remember scaring my dad. I thought it'd be a fun thing to just frighten him as he was getting ready for work one morning, and, and so he was uh, in his dress blues uniform. He's a Marine, and and he's coming around the corner with a briefcase, and on a briefcase, a hot cup of coffee. And I jump out at him and say, boo, you know, scare him. And he just kind of trembles like this, and the coffee spills in his shirt. His pants got wet too, but not from coffee. And, uh, and I thought, I was in trouble a lot growing up. And, and, and you know, maybe that sense of that foreboding, that, that not being good with with God, maybe it comes from these experiences in life where we're not good with the authority above us. And the, the question that we have to answer is, well, how do you get there? How can we, who are sinful, rebellious, selfish people, how can we have a right relationship with a God who is perfect and sinless, who actually cannot be in the presence of sin? And, and the answer is you receive the Prince of Peace. The answer is that, that you, you accept him into your life and, and you allow the Prince of Peace to bring his peace so that you can be at peace with God. And there are some things that that means. Being at peace with God means I stop fighting God. See, a large part of our problem is that we think we know better than God. Even uh, for those of you in this room who've been following God for a long time, so often what I find is that it's, I'm good following God. We're good going the direction God wants us to go until he calls us to go someplace we weren't already planning on going. And it's then that our rebellion kicks in. It's then that, that we begin to think, oh, we know better than you, God. No, I, I know you want us to go this direction, but I, I, I got this one. I'm, I'm going to keep doing my thing. 
And friends, that's what we need to be willing to submit and surrender. We come underneath his authority, recognizing that Jesus has now made this peace possible. You know, the carol we sing says, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That's why peace on earth is possible. It's because of the reconciliation that we now have with God our Father through Jesus Christ, his Son. The next thing that we see God with us, meaning peace, is that we have peace not only with God, but with self. We have peace within ourselves. And there's this recognition in our lives, and certainly I could give testimony to this, that there are times and seasons where we are not at peace within our own skin. We feel discontent, we feel antsy, we feel like we have to distract ourselves or entertain us where we cannot simply be because there's no peace within ourselves. And there's this interesting phrase in the Bible in 1 John. It talks about this time when our hearts condemn us. I was thinking that's really the cause of this, this lack of peace, this unrest within myself is that my heart is condemning me. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not my heart, maybe it's the enemies condemning me. But there's this condemnation that I'm experiencing. And look what the scripture says, 1 John 3. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence, having peace with God, whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So even when our hearts are condemning us, even when we're wrestling and missing the peace that Jesus provides, we need to shift our perspective and realize what God has already accomplished for us. That God has already made peace with us through Christ once we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. So even if my heart is condemning me, or even if others are condemning me, or even if the enemy is condemning me, the truth that I stand in, the same truth that you stand in, is the truth found in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the truth. That is what brings us peace within ourselves so that we can be comfortable in our own skin, so that we can be content. You know, if I could just digress for one second, Jesus says we're to love one another as we love ourselves. This allows us to be at peace so that we actually can love ourselves appropriately and then love our neighbor well. And it actually brings us to the next villain, which is peace with others. Peace with others means that I wish them God's best. And insofar as I can, I help them to experience God's best. And I have found, I'm sure you have found, that it is truly difficult to be at peace with others unless I can be at peace within myself. You might want to write this down. It takes a person of peace to make peace. It takes a person of peace to make peace. And we are called by God to be peacemakers. These are the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. We're to be workers of peace, bringers of peace, peacemakers, and the world will see that and say they are children of God. 
And friends, this is why followers of Jesus, why we give of our time. This is why we give of our resources. This is why we inconvenience ourselves in order to be peacemakers, bringing the peace of Jesus to help others find peace with God and peace with themselves and peace with others. And obviously, friends, we are still on the journey. But I want you to know as a church overlay that so many of the things that we go after and the initiatives we pursue are designed so that we might be peacemakers in the world. I'll just highlight a couple. Right now there's an opportunity to pick up an I Belong backpack and to fill it with all the stuff that's, that's on that list so that we can give it to a young child who's being moved from difficult or traumatic situations into the foster care program or into the Safe Families program. And this backpack will be filled with all kinds of essentials and care so that it will help to bring peace in the midst of an incredibly tumultuous moment in a young person's life. Peacemakers. Or you think about everything that the ministry we have called Celebrate Recovery does. It is designed to help people be at peace with God, peace within themselves, and peace with others. Every time one of you serves in our children's ministry, you are being a peacemaker. Every time one of you mentors one of our Eastside Academy students, you're being a peacemaker. There's so many things that we want to go after in order to be a peacemaker in a world desperate for peace. And so I want you to see, friends, what peace is, what peace isn't. Peace is not simply not fighting, but peace is fighting for understanding. Peace is not offering yourself as a doormat, but peace is offering your wholeness. Peace is not getting what I want. Peace is contentment in Jesus. The world says peace is ensuring my own personal comfort and safety, but Jesus says peace is the way of the cross. The world says peace can only be achieved through violence, but Jesus says peace can only be achieved when we follow in his footsteps. And the world says peace is avoiding those who are different and who we have conflict with. And Jesus says peace is building friendship with those who are different and reconciling ourselves with those we have conflict with. And instead of just keeping this all conceptual, I want you to hear a story from Pastor Josh. He was in Israel not too long ago, and he met somebody who was Quite incredible. So, Josh, why don't you come and share that testimony with us? Uh, last May, uh, Lynn and I were part of a team that spent time in the Holy Land meeting with uh, a number of Christian leaders who were working for peace uh, between Israel and Palestine. One of the leaders we met with, uh, his name was George Saada, and he's a Palestinian Christian who serves as a principal of Shepherd's High School, which is a large academy, large Christian academy in Bethlehem. After a tour of the school, George told our team his personal story of what motivates his work of educating the next generation to work for peace through nonviolence alongside of hundreds of others of Palestinians and Israelis who believe that peace is possible. And, and George uh, told us his story. He, sa he said this, Eleven years ago, I was driving to the grocery store in Bethlehem with my wife in the passenger seat and my two daughters in the back seat. As we were approaching the city center, we saw three Israeli military jeeps sitting on the side of the road, but no soldiers. As we drove past the jeeps, soldiers leapt out, hiding, uh, leapt out of hiding and fired 300 rounds into our car. My wife, my 14-year-old daughter, and I were critically injured, but we survived after many days in the hospital. 
My 12-year-old daughter, Christine, however, died on the scene. I found out later that our vehicle was mistaken for a militant who the soldiers were waiting to ambush. Um, this is uh, her picture. It was on George's desk. And I asked if I could take a picture of it with my phone. I, I wanted to remember Christine. <clears throat> because I have an 11-year-old son and, uh, and a 9-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son, and um, I don't know what I would do if, if something like that were, was to happen to them. And, um, and, and so as, as he shared, I was amazed. I, I, I was amazed. Here's a man who has every reason to be full of anger and, and to seek revenge like many Palestinians and Israelis are doing in that part of our war-torn, uh, part of our world that's so war-torn. But he has chosen to work for peace and to give his life to the way of peace. And so I asked him, uh, as I was choking back tears, I asked him this question, George, how do you stop from being angry? How do you keep yourself from being angry over this? And George looked at all of us and he, and, he, and, he, and he said these words. It's not an easy thing. And he said that a couple of times. It's not an easy thing. It's only through the help of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the power to forgive, to not be afraid, to overcome our sadness, to choose peace, and to show the way of resisting oppression without revenge or violence. It's not an easy thing. It's only because of Jesus. Thanks for letting me share. Now you understand why I said there's nothing Christmas card about the peace of Jesus. There's nothing warm and fuzzy about that. I want you to think about the contrast between the picture of Jesus' followers at the church of the Holy Sepulchre, beating one another and kicking one another. You see how shallow and ridiculous that is, and recognize that we have that same tendency. And then you hear the story of this man who's praying that the blood of his daughter purchases some measure of peace. You realize God, our Heavenly Father, has offered his own son, Jesus, his blood being poured out so that we might have peace. That's why we can say, Lord, I am desperate for, for this peace. We, we are desperate for this level of peace. And, and how do we do that? How do we embrace Christ's peace? What's it gonna take for us to get to that place? And and this is where we'll close. It's, it's peace only comes through trust. Peace only comes through trust. That we would trust that God is with us. That we would trust that God is good. That we would trust that God's plan is salvation, both now and in the life to come. That we would trust that we do not have to take care of our circumstances in order to experience peace. We need only wade into difficult circumstances with the peace that comes from Jesus himself. And Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I would love to have you draw an arrow between the word peace and the phrase, because they trust in you. We have peace because we trust in God. We have peace because we trust in the Prince of Peace.
And we see how deep and how real and how powerful the peace that he calls us to is. And that's what we pursue. So friends, I challenge you today to trust him, to trust that Jesus has provided our peace by the work that he accomplished on the cross. I pray that you would trust in Jesus for the peace that he has already brought to you and and for the greater peace that comes whenever our hearts condemn us. I, I pray that we would trust Jesus to bring peace with us wherever we go, now knowing that we are free to engage a hurting world. We're free to wade in to injustice. We're free to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of peace and for the sake of Christ. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally. You don't know this kind of peace and you don't know this prince of peace. And if that's you, I just want to tell you that he is waiting for you and he loves you. This Christmas, the very best gift exchange you can give is the gift exchange of you offering your life to Jesus in trust and receiving the peace that he brings. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's spend a moment doing just that. We confess today, Lord Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace. And we also confess that that means something far deeper and richer and more powerful than we have spent most of our time thinking. And Lord, we want to just be real in front of you so that you can do business with our hearts today. If there are those here who have not trusted in you and not received you as the Prince of Peace, my prayer is today they would have the courage to do just that. You've already given them courage to bring them here today. You've already been working on their hearts and stirred their interests spiritually. My prayer today, Lord Jesus, that there are many who step across the line today and say, Jesus, I trust in you. I give you my life and I receive your peace today. For those of us who are already followers of yours, Lord Jesus, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would come and stir us to greater and greater measures where we would simply not be content with carving a little cave comfort so that everything in our world is is nice and cozy and warm and, and we retreat there from the troubles of this world. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is because we have the Prince of Peace dwelling richly within us, we would be emboldened to wade into difficult circumstances, to wade into difficult relationships, to wade into injustice, and to bring your peace. And show us how. We want to be wise. We want to be followers of you. Show us what that looks like, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the peace you have already brought in so many ways in our lives and in our hearts. And and we just ask for more of that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.